You are now entering the Student Media Network. So be Welcome to the Student Media Podcast, episode number 31. Tres uno in other speaking languages. Bueno, bueno. Uh, we're coming to you. <laughs> drunk. Uh, not drunk. But very, very lightly buzzed. From Insight Brewery here in the northeast part of Minneapolis. And we very sp- cool. We spoke with one of the, the key owners, Elon Klagesma, who, man, this guy's traveled the world learning how to brew beer. He's amazing. This All was, over that. I mean, I did not know there were so many different processes and different ways, and he's really encapsulated, you know, different tastes, and this is pretty exciting. I don't like beer, and this this stuff I like. Well, this, this, be... this was a learning process for us because we kind of came in here as novice beer drinkers, mm-hmm. and we had no idea how to make beer, but... He made the process sound fairly simple. Just travel around to the coolest countries in the world, learn how they make beer, and then come back here and open your own Kind of like us. We just interview the coolest people in the world. Well, definitely people who are cooler than we are. That's for sure. Uh, So we're talking to Elon, and uh, we're right here in in the brewery. And this place is amazing. It's in northeast Minneapolis, uh, northeast part of Minneapolis on East Hennepin. Uh, you're definitely going to want to come in here. Prostitution section. No, not the prostitution oh, section. That's damn a it. different part of Hennepin. Um, but Insight Brewery, you're going to want to come down here to this to this. It's a fun room. place to hang out, and be with people, try beers that are just absolutely tasty. Exactly. Yeah, we, we tried the Yuzu tasty. Pale Ale, which is oh. which is a uh, Japanese fruit, citrus fruit. That uh, It's a really nice, it's got a nice little bite to it. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, Stude Media, you can find us if you if you haven't found us, you know, and this is your first time and you didn't know where you got us, you can find us on iTunes. Mm-hmm. You can always send us an email, studemedia at gmail.com. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter, just just as you hear it, Stude Media. And, you know, share us with, with a friend. We'd appreciate that you know? because, you if know, you, this deserves, especially this episode. I mean, you're going to learn a lot. A you're going to have if, a lot of fun. If you like beer and you like craft Sean's beer. Sean's going to give you money if you I'm going to give you Tony's money. <laughs> Uh, to listen, no, to share it. What? Uh, yeah, we are. A, yeah, are you no. tipsy? No. I feel tipsy. I'm so tipsy right now. No, no, I'm professional. Everybody in the club, everybody tipsy. With that, we are gonna uh, shotgun a couple right yep. now, and we're gonna get right into it. Talk beer. Episode Crafty. number thirty-one. Insight Brewery. First of all, cheers. 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 Yeah, thanks for coming in, guys. Right over the electronic equipment. I like that. (laughs) That's really good. All right, explain to us what what we're drinking here. All right, so right now we have the Yuzu Pale Ale, and uh, the Yuzu is a Japanese citrus fruit. So I got to brew in Japan, and the only, I'd never heard of Yuzu before this, so there was a tree in my backyard that had this lumpy lemon-looking fruit that was hanging from it. I had no idea what that was, so I talked to the people there and found out that it actually is used in a lot of Japanese cuisine. And I ended up picking a fruit, tasting it, and it was you know, kind of like a mixture between mandarin, orange, and grapefruit. Very citrusy, not quite as sour as a lemon, right. uh, but just incredibly unique. And immediately I thought, that has to go in beer. So I... They actually ended up brewing a test batch in Japan on their system. And, you know, by a wild guess, I added the right amount of yuzu to where it was just enough to kind of complement the citrus qualities of the hops. So I brought that idea back to the States and made the yuzu. You're going you're gonna to get some questions from some novice beer. Well, we're, we're not novice beer connoisseurs. We're, we're, we're beer drinkers for sure, right? I mean, you, you well, like a, love a good beer. I'm, yeah, I'm, am I modulating? No, you're I'm fine. Good. Maybe it's just my headphones. Um, you know, for a long time, I, I never liked beer for a long time. And I, lately, over the past five years, I've really been getting into it in different types and stuff like that. So uh, I, I really look for different kinds. And, and this is really good, Yuzu Pale. So normally, I don't drink beer. But if I did, it would be Yuzu Pale. No, I was trying to do a cheap commercial there. <laughs> <laughs> but if I did. But if, but I, if did. I did. <laughs> we are at Insight Brewing Company. Yeah. And, uh, is now, it you northeast? consider this northeast? Yeah, I think it's you know what? Um, yes. And here's why. Uh, this is north and east in 
the Minneapolis yeah. city. In conjunction to It is not Northeast uh, neighborhood, but it is Northeast Minneapolis. Okay. Right. It's right. confusing. I went to the other side, so. The other Hennepin Avenue I was at, and oh. I was like, oh. No, I thought you right. literally went to the other side. No, been there, done that, yeah. not fun. Um, no, this is a great so, space here. So this is a this is a is, is it a brew pub? What what's the, what's the official title of of the location we're at? So this is a brewery, and uh, what makes us a brewery is that we ship beer out the door. We, Got it. We ship beer to bars and restaurants. We are allowed to have a tap room, uh, but we are not allowed to have a a full bar with wine and spirits. And we also cannot have multiple locations of uh. on-site consumption. That's what a brew pub would be allowed to do. However, they oh, cannot ship beer okay. to bars and restaurants. What's the uh, what's the 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 rules with food? Um, it's actually uh, it's a seriously it's like a one sentence line uh, little oh, really? clause in this law about tap rooms, and it says that we are allowed as a brewery to have a uh, a small kitchen for serving food. Now, you can interpret that however you want, but what it means is you are allowed to actually have food. Urban Growler was the first brewery that I'm aware of that actually has uh, uh, a kitchen where you can go there and eat food and buy their beer. Right. And Surly obviously took that to the next level with two restaurants mm-hmm. inside. Uh, but that's that means that breweries are actually allowed to have food. And, and was, it, was it their actions with the government that, that was able to allow you guys to open up? Uh, pretty much. So it, right now, by being able to have a tap room, mm-hmm. uh, that's what pretty much sus- uh, sustains a brewery in the beginning because uh, it it takes a while to actually set up a distribution network with your beer. And you could do that without a tap room, but it would require a lot more money up front Mm -hmm. uh, to be able to pay all your employees until you get distribution. Where were you before this then? Because you opened up in November, you said, right, of 14? Yes, so uh, the quick story is back in uh, 20, well, how far do I want to go back? Uh, <laughs> How about when you were born? Or yep, all right. So <laughs> uh, back in 2007, that's as far as I'll go back here, all right. uh, I was in school studying classical music. Oh, wow. And uh, it was at that time that I was just learning about craft beer, what that was, what you know that there was a better tasting beer out there. Mm-hmm. So I learned about that, and uh, it, you know, I, sh- I should say I barely learned about that. But then I traveled to Denmark because I had some family there in Copenhagen, and I brought a list of the top 50 beers in the world and went to what happened to be a very good bottle shop and tasted the, well, I asked for the number seven beer in the world, which was the highest rated Danish beer. Oh, wow. They did not have that. They did have number one, and that was a beer brewed by Belgian monks. And it was only (laughs) sold at the monastery. However, I got it on the black market in Copenhagen. And Craigslist Copenhagen. That's where he got it. What? Oh, really? Sorry. Really? That turned my father. Yeah, right? Amateur. Um, I didn't know monks could do that. Isn't there a regulation? (laughs) 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 Well, I I don't think they can talk while they while they brew beer. Yeah. Well, who needs to drink (laughs) it? It's the eye contact that matters. Yeah, exactly. That's in the dresses. (laughs) (laughs) Um, very cool. So, so you. Are you sure I'm not modulating? It sure sounds like I'm You're modulating. not. Your your levels are hitting just right. Okay. I'll I can turn you down though no, if you want. No, no, I can, no, no, here, no, let me no, 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 no. Here, there. You sound great now. Go ahead and talk. <laughs> All right, you're back. Okay, so we're back. So you were out there, and you, so you got to try that. That's you here. If you yeah, want to turn it down, maybe that's too hot. It so is amateur hour take us today. From Jesus. Yeah, I know. Sorry, we're just. So 2007, you're you're in Europe. Yep, I tasted the. I, so it was $72 a six-pack. Oh, my God. I did not buy wow. the full six-pack. I bought two bottles. Yeah. And when I tasted this beer, it was yeah. this huge epiphany that happened. The sun started coming out. My lips started <laughs> quivering. And I understand <laughs> that's <laughs> what beer was. That's right. It was, it, was, it was so different than anything I'd ever tasted. It changed everything. Uh, I got back to the States, and I had this ambition to learn everything about the world of beer, history, culture, wow. who makes wow. it, how it's made. Uh, and I learned a lot before I actually started homebrewing. And that's where I got the ambition to open up a brewery someday. However, I knew I had to do a lot more mm-hmm. uh, than... So did the classical music just get pushed off to the wayside? You know, I, I finished up my degree, and actually, uh, I actually found that that worked to the benefit of brewing. Uh, because classical music is what really helped me think, uh, I guess, creatively. Yeah. Uh, instead of right, you know, right now, I don't compose music. I compose beer recipes. Right. That's fantastic. So to me, it's the same thing. Yeah. You've just you found a different instrument. That's right. right. You talk about you talk about homebrewing, 
And, and what's that process like when you first get into it? What, what year was it when you first decided to? 2007. Two, same yeah. year. Okay. So what's that process like? I mean, what do you have? What kind of equipment do you need? You know, it's it's not that much. I think I probably spent about eighty bucks. Did you go on, to the Target uh, and get the Mister Beer set? Uh, no, <laughs> no, I went one step higher than that. Um, there was a, a homebrew uh, store in Appleton, Wisconsin, where mm-hmm. I was living, and they had. Uh, you, it was still a, a pretty simple process of making beer at that point. You have essentially buckets. You've got a kettle on the stove. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're boiling the sugary liquid, adding hops, cooling it down, and fermenting it. Mm-hmm. It's not a complicated process, but it still takes a little bit of practice to make sure you're doing things right. Right. And what's the trick in it to make yourself different from somebody else? I mean, the ingredients, obviously. Well, yeah, it is the ingredients. Uh, you, so I guess what makes our beer a little bit different is that uh, we're we've got this, I guess, authentic background where if you know, I don't want to brew beer that I'm kind of guessing at. I want to brew beer that I know. Mm-hmm. And I learned what the yuzu fruit was because I was in Japan. So I. I really got to understand what the yuzu was over mm-hmm. there, and that's why I wanted to brew a beer over here because I really could bring back something that I got to learn firsthand back to Minnesota. And there's other examples of other countries that I got to brew in and how I learned to brew over there. So those are the styles I get to bring back, kind of this real authentic way of bringing back the history of beer. So every mm-hmm. time you drink a beer here, you actually get to learn a little bit about the history that of beer. Really makes cool. it a little bit exciting. Is no. the yuzu plant, I mean, is that is, is, is the fruit, is it a plenty? I mean, is it something you can easily get? We, uh, the quick answer here is it's it's really expensive, um, and it's because the yuzu has a really thick skin on it, and it also has a ton of seeds on the side. So once you get down uh, to the stuff that you're really looking for, the the, the fruit, uh, there's separate. not a ton left, mm-hmm. and so you need it, more. It, we we'd love to have it a lot cheaper than what we buy it right now. Right, and yeah. it, and, it, and it just couldn't it couldn't survive in this climate. It's possible yeah. uh, right now. I know at least. As far as I'm aware, it's brewed in, or sorry, uh, grown in China, Japan, mm-hmm. and California. But I looked at each each uh, region and found that the cheapest supplier of yuzu that I found, I probably looked at about five. The cheapest supplier is actually in the metro area. This Minneapolis in this metro wow, area. No kidding. They don't grow it, but they distribute it. Well, there you go. Yeah, so we got a little bit lucky there. How many different uh, beers are you guys brewing here? At so in our first year, we're going to brew eleven different beers. Um, that means we've got five year-round beers and six seasonals. Mm-hmm. But on top of that, we also have a cask program going to where every Saturday we have a unique beer we put on cask. Nice. And last Saturday, for example, we had our Belgian Saison that was on top of Door County Cherries. Mm. Um, that was our first repeat cask, actually, because it, people mm. demanded it back. So we brought it back and uh, to applause, actually. It was a pretty cool night. Yeah, I bet. And, and how late? Um, how many people can you fit in the, in the tap room here? Uh, roughly 200. Yeah, it's a nice space. It's a big it's space. Wide yeah. open, a lot of windows. Tall ceilings. What was this building before? Do you know what it was? Yeah, originally it was a boiler manufacturer. Really? This was back in the 1930s. And there's actually a train spur that comes in the back of the building. Train cars used to come in. Mm-hmm. Uh, big industrial cranes mm-hmm. here. Um, but And we actually left those cranes in, so I can show you oh, the cranes oh, later. Oh, neat. Yeah. That's very cool. Uh, and I guess surprisingly, this or ironically, we used the crane f- to move our boiler. We actually oh, had really? to do it. Um, uh, we had trench drains that were not finished yet. We had let's to get just, a boiler let's back. Let's just not say that that was an accident. Let's just say you <laughs> planned it that Obviously, way. it was not an accident. <laughs> That's why you yeah. like this That's space. So, 07 to 14, you just did home brewing, or did you start to develop them? I, I started home brewing, but I, I took that a little bit. I got a little bit more intense about it. Mm-hmm. So, my professors saw the passion that I had, and they actually asked me to apply for a fellowship uh, called the Thomas J. Watson Fellowship. It's offered through IBM. And they pay for graduates to travel around the world for a year studying whatever they're passionate about. And it's a pretty competitive process. A lot of people <laughs> apply. I became a finalist, and uh, I did not win. And that was uh, pretty devastating for about an hour until I realized <laughs> that uh, I was going to go on this trip anyways because I wanted yeah. to learn about the world of beer. Right, right. So the trip consisted of me actually starting picking hops in uh, West Kent, which is in south of London. Cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, after that, I brewed at uh, Fuller's Brewery in London for about three months. Then I went to Japan, brewed mostly sake as well as beer and a little bit of distilling at a brewery called Kiyuchi. And then two breweries I worked at in Denmark called Fenu and Sugard. And then I biked throughout Belgium and France visiting breweries, wineries, and kind of finishing up the trip. Get, get back to the States in 2011. So this is 2010, 2011 that I was traveling. 
get back to the States in 2011 with the full intent of starting a brewery at this point. And that's when I met uh, Brian, Eric, and Kevin. And we, we put together a business plan, uh, and that makes me one of four owners. But we uh, put together a plan and decided to move forward. So you really don't know what the fuck you're doing then? You didn't just travel the yeah, world. You didn't yeah. just backpacking nope. through Belgium. You just throw everything together. No. So where did the word insight come from? How did you come up with that? So when I was traveling, I, I learned something kind of interesting. Uh, pretty much every region around the world at some point has brewed beer. And right now, not everybody does, but the places that I visited, there was something different about each place. And while they're all making beer, they all do it slightly differently. And there's a little bit different culture, different history, different ingredients, different process. Uh, and I guess a quick example is when I went to England, I thought I knew what English beer was. And then I went there and said, oh, I had no idea. This is what English beer what is. What is the difference? Well, the difference is over here, I guess we... We hop things up in the States mm-hmm. quite a bit more, and that's not a bad thing. But in England, you can get an IPA, and it's going to taste far less bitter than any pale ale you're going to get here. Hmm. Uh, Interesting. England's focused a lot more on balance. They also have a lot less carbonation in the beer. It's not quite as cold as we serve yeah, they, beer over do here. Do they like it more room temperature over there? Not quite. We so, don't get, Tony and I don't get out much, so you know <laughs> we're learning. We're, we're kind of getting the world travels from you yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, vicariously here. It's more like 50 to 54 degrees so it's sure. it's in the mid-range okay but get just getting i guess the the name came from learning that every region around the world does something differently so kind of getting that insight into the world of beer do you guys have a style in which you brew or do you do you formulate like with many different styles that you've learned from around the world or do you have like one way that you do it and then you 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 figure out a way to get the different flavors that way there's a uh, I, I guess i the most important thing I ever learned about brewing came from uh, uh, John Keeling, the brewmaster at Fuller's, and he had told me something that, that seriously was the most important thing I've ever learned in terms of beer, and it was keep it simple. Mm-hmm. Sounds like simple advice, but it's actually the most powerful advice I've ever sure, had. Sure, of course. Keeping it simple means that you get to create a recipe without throwing in too much stuff and creating something that might taste a little bit muddled. Instead, understanding that each ingredient has natural complexities that's going to push out. You don't have to have a complicated recipe to get a very complicated beer. Right. So you can get all these nice, crisp, fresh, complicated flavors out of only a few ingredients. So I took that advice in terms of brewing all the beer as well as the business. Mm -hmm. So our brewing setup is actually quite simple. Uh, Our tap setup, quite simple. But that's that's what I took away and the types of beer I make typically around the world. Usually the recipes are actually quite simple. So if you make German beer, it's not a very complicated recipe. In fact, it's it's really not complicated. But um, the style of beer we make is usually simple, but we try to put a little bit of a flair on some of those, such as the yuzu here. Sure, sure. What's the turnaround process as far as time frame goes from the time that you come up with the idea for the ingredients to the time that you can actually serve it? Well, we've for a typical recipe, we want to make sure that we're making a really good product before we actually give it to people. Mm-hmm. So for us, I'm going to brew it on a small scale, which maybe is about 100 beers at a time, and that allows me to try it out and see what types of flavors I'm going to get. And typically it might take, if I'm lucky, two times to brew the beer and to get it turn out the way I want it to. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes it might take three or four. How long does that process take? Just uh, brewing I'd, a batch? Yeah, I'd, a brewing a batch of beer is roughly about three weeks. Okay. So you can have something in front of yourself or others within three weeks so if you're doing a few different batches to try to perfect something it could take three to four months to actually get something that is ready to go and then you build it up to the big system and luckily when i was overseas i got to brew three of my recipes uh in denmark and i got to learn how kind of scaling something up from small to large how that works sure what what happens to the ingredients what happens to hop efficiency evaporation rates things like that that no one really thinks about because you haven't done it before. So that's what allowed us to, I guess, shorten our time here. When we had beers that we've been brewing on a small scale, those were designed actually for the large scale. Mm. So that when we started brewing on our system here, we had a pretty good idea what was going to happen. Do you, you, you and all the, all the tap rooms in Minneapolis now or the, or the surrounding metro, you guys are kind of all in the same club. You're all fairly new. You, you know, you all have um, your own flavors and your own styles and everything. I know this is, is probably kind of a loaded question, but do you see you yourself as, as serious competitors with those other breweries? Or do you see yourself kind of all in the same club and you all have your own style? 
for quite some time, we're all going to be in the same club. Um, I'd imagine that's going to last for many, many years to come. Uh, the reason being, we are in the fastest growing craft beer market in the country right now as a state of Minnesota. And what that means is everybody's winning. So there's no reason to compete against other people right. because when people are putting our tap handles on, if they're going to buy our beer, uh, we're not actually taking that volume from another craft brewery. That volume's usually coming from macro beer, the big beer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're all kind of in th- on the same team against against light flavor. We're all here for bold, bold flavor. I got a great question real quick. <laughs> this must be <laughs> so the coolest thing. I'm so jealous. Well, I think it's a great question. All my questions are great. Do you ever get, like, super drunk off your own thing and you said, like, I made this beer. Have you ever done that? That's I have cool. never done that in my life. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that, that'd be such a coolest. And what a what a pickup line. <laughs> you like the beer? That's mine. It's kind of weird, but it's kind of. <laughs> it's a cool feeling, man. That's uh, yeah. So, it's like your baby. You made it. So business, you made this business thing. and beer. You're, you're you're there. How do you think? I mean, where do you see your? Do you have an exit plan for? this company and or what do you see personally what you want to do no this was totally a passion play for us uh we're in this because we wanted to start a brewery that we could be passionate about and and live with so we started something that we're all in this for the long run um what we're doing right now is we are a distribution brewery we're building our distribution right now we're at about 120 locations we could support probably 300 maybe 350 something like that uh but we're in this to make more beer. As long as people keep drinking it, we'll keep making it. I have a hard enough time doing the show with one other person. You, <laughs> you, you I, <laughs> drink up. You, you run this thing with four or three other guys. That's so right. There's four of you. I mean, how how does that play? I mean, do you guys is everything split four ways? I mean, as we, far as decision making, or do you have different areas? Nope, we definitely uh, split decision making, and that's a good thing because we all settle on usually the right decision. Uh, each of us do something differently. So I, I do the beer. But Brian, for example, he's uh, got a background in marketing and branding. And he used to work with Hasbro 3M uh, and wanted to do something that he could be more passionate about. So we've got marketing covered. Uh, Kevin is a sales guy. He used to work with Pulte Homes. And he does uh, majority of sales for us. And then Eric used to work with Ameriprise. And he is, uh, you know, analytics, supply chain, uh, stuff like that. So we... Each of us do something different with the brewery. Now, while we all wear a lot of hats, mm-hmm. our expertise is in separate areas, which allows us to work very well together. And how many employees do you guys have right now? Uh, with the four founders included, we have 16 employees. That's fantastic. That's a nice, that's a nice number. You're not, you don't have too many. You're not, you know. Are you guys profitable right now, or is it just ramping up still? We are at a point where I would say... We've had a couple of weeks because it fluctuates a little bit, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, and it's really cold out. Uh, but we're actually at a point where we're anticipating to start making money next month. Um, it's it's it, that that's a question that has a lot of you know a longer answer to it. But we're actually mm-hmm. looking at next month as a point to where the bank account might going up. Well, and also you've got. St. Patrick's Day coming up. You've got a great a lot, lot out events, here too, yeah. by the way. Too. I mean, do you guys see see other big events? You see bands and oh yeah, festivals bike, and things like things. that. Yeah, we're definitely looking at some festivals uh, with uh, kind of paired with beer releases in the summer. Uh, the good part about that is the fe- the the parking lot is actually quite big. Uh, it's actually about as big as our building, about twenty thousand square feet. We can have about seventy five cars there. It fills up. It's actually not big enough. Sure, oh, wow. but uh, when we do an event. Uh, it would likely be on a weekend, and that actually means you can park on Hennepin Avenue, which opens up a lot of parking right now. Oh, that's fantastic. And you got to think, once once people are really into cycling, you know, I, I do know right down, right down the road here was they used to host Art Crank, which mm-hmm. was one of our guests, yeah. Charles Yule. Um, it was an art show, and people would make posters out of, you know, art. Or they would make posters of bike, biking or having to do with bikes and stuff. And they would they would encourage people to show up on their bikes. And I'm like... You've got a perfect lot for yeah. it. You've got the perfect location for it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's we've uh, we're going to be adding quite a few bike racks for the spring. Um, we are all about biking here. I mean, heck, the time that I was traveling in all these countries, I had a blog going called Bike for Beer. Oh, cool. uh, yeah. I was so poor as I was traveling that the only means I could afford <laughs> were pedaling. So, yeah. and actually, if you can see it, the bike that I rode is actually hanging in the tavern. That's I was okay, wondering there's about the that. bike yeah, there. I saw that up there earlier. You rode that through Europe. I rode that through Europe. Good for you, man. Look at that thing. 
Are you from Minnesota there? then? Is that... uh, I am. I grew up in Winona, which is south okay. of here by about oh, yeah. 100 miles. Yeah, yeah. So that the lovely so cliffs. That's right. In Minnesota, that was kind of a, a hands-down thing, wasn't it? It was. I, I knew I wanted to stay in Minnesota, home state, uh, mm-hmm. and I knew that Minneapolis was such a great place to be able to start up a brewery. The, mm-hmm. the movement here was started before we started. What what is a, what, boy? I I can't call you a microbrew, right? I mean, what can I call you? No, we're a microbrew. You are a microbrew. Yeah. How do you how do you guys look at the big manufacturers, the larger beer manufacturers that encompass most of the country? I mean, they put out a lot of light beer. Some people talk about the taste or lack thereof. Some people talk about um, there's no creativity. I mean, it, you do you even look at them as as like anybody you want to compete with, or do you guys want to do? Your own thing. Yeah, we, we can't compete with them. They're, they're on a, such a different level that whatever we do is you know, pennies in a bucket. Uh, it, it, it doesn't matter. So one way or another, we're not competing against the big guys. The way I see them, though, and I might get some heat for this, but I'd say the big guys are making the highest quality beer in this country. I, pre- I don't prefer the flavor of that beer, but I give them a lot of credit to be able to have multiple breweries where they're making this stuff and have it taste the exact same every time. Hands down, that's high quality i just i don't buy that beer because i don't prefer it okay so devil's advocate if you had to what what <laughs> what's your favorite major beer i'll use the word favorite i'll take that that word out of there if you had to drink a, a major beer what would you go for would you go for something that's more seasonal or would you go for like a standard sure uh well i can proudly say i've actually never purchased a bud miller or Coors in my life uh, so and you went to college. I went to college. <laughs> I'll tell you right now, the beer I drank in college was uh, not quite as high quality as that yeah. stuff. Mm. It was a little bit lower. Mickey's. Uh, yeah, I'd say Mickey's was in that range. I did that a couple times. <laughs> the grenades are fantastic. A couple of times. But if I were to do a, a big guy, I mean, there's there are beers that that honestly do taste better. I mean, Blue Moon, Shock Top, things mm-hmm. like that. Those are brewed by the big guys, and they are a little bit more flavorful than the rest. What about a cider or so, or something that's a, a little bit different with different fruit and different ingredients? I mean, is that something you guys have, have considered here? You know, I, I love cider, actually. Um, I prefer drier ciders. I don't like the sweetness quite as much. Uh, and there aren't as many examples of that in the States right now. Usually England is known for dry cider. Um, I'd love to brew cider, but right now a little bit of a hindrance for us is we cannot brew cider on the equipment that we have. Oh, sure. Uh, there's uh, The FDA thinks that there's a contamination issue. Um, but I don't think they understand that brewing equipment is some of the cleanest stuff out there. It is very, very, very clean. Uh, we run caustics, acid sanitizers through this stuff. It is probably the cleanest thing, cleanest surface that anyone's ever going to see. Um, so the contamination issue doesn't really exist, except for maybe places that don't know what they're what doing. What are you sure. required to do as far as that? That goes the cleaning and stuff like that. Do you have to drain everything and do that on a daily basis? You know, we're, we're technically, we're not required to do anything. Um, but, but I'll tell you, if we didn't clean, yeah. you would know because you'd be tasting some pretty sour beers <laughs> coming out <laughs> from us. Not the good kind of sour. Love me some dirty beer. Yeah, I'm actually going to, this is weird, I'm going to do this in the middle of the podcast. I have the smallest bladder in the world. Where's your men's room? Uh, <laughs> right around the corner. Cool. Uh, you'll, you'll see it kind Better of before the Tony's going to take it. I'm, yeah, I'm the worst host yeah, ever. Yeah, yeah. Here, Tony's going to take over. I'll we'll be right back. Over. That's fine, yeah. While he's away, let's uh, see what we can say about him. So this is like really cool. So do you really feel like this, I mean, your dream has come true? It is. I've, I've been, you know, honestly, as soon as I tasted that beer in 2007, I knew yeah. I wanted to start a brewery. And it was kind of figuring out what had to be done first. Yeah. A lot had to be done first. I had to learn what beer was and how to make it. Um, and I kind of took a step at a time and learned to figure it out. Uh, it, was, it was quite the process, but it was, at this point, it's, you know, I get to look at this tap room at the brewery and, and think, wow, this is actually, yeah. this is actually something cool. that, that we all built, and it's pretty cool. Now, you're just uh, licensed for beer, but do you ever look at, what is it, whiskey? Or what's coming out popular now? Everybody's trying to do micro whiskey. Micro distilling, yeah. yeah. So that's yeah. Uh, that actually is something we're looking at. Um, we don't have a, a set timeline for when we're going to mm-hmm. purchase a, a system. What the goal would be for us right now is to is to probably pay our license fee and get a very, very small still just to start, yeah. so that we can practice. Yeah. Uh, right now, you cannot practice at home. That's illegal. You can homebrew, oh, really? but you cannot oh, distill at home. So we would actually have to practice here and, and learn to make some really high-quality products and then come out with them. Yeah. Now, I got to learn a little bit in Japan. They're doing some pretty cool things, but 
uh, I'd want to brew them or I guess distill them over here so that we mm-hmm. can test them and test them out and, and see what we're making. And then once we have the products we're looking for, then we would actually buy a larger still and start to make some more stuff. So when he got the last operation to become a male, Sean, oh, no, he's back. Sorry. Okay. Yeah, it was it was a real uh, f- yeah. fantastic process. I actually just got confused as to which room I was supposed to go into over there. I, I was standing um, <clears throat> at the urinal because I'm a guy. Thank you. Um, and I noticed I, you've got the, the trivia poster up. But, you know, what kind of things are you doing besides making great beer you know, to get your name out level? there to, yeah, to, to, for people to know who you guys are? Well, we've done... Uh, Several radio programs so far, including this one now. Um, we do tap takeovers. We're doing beer dinners. Uh, getting tap handles is actually one of the largest things we can do to get our name out there because more people get to see and taste the beer. Sure. Um, but in the tap room, this is kind of our testing grounds. We get to do a lot of different things, try out a lot of different beers, and find out what people like, what gets people excited. Is your most is, is your best feedback just what people are ordering, or is it, or do you have like sessions where you get feedback, like literal people fill out forms? You know, stuff? we're actually looking at doing some things like that, but right now, um, you know, I, what I like to think is the best way for people to vote on beer is with money, and if someone's willing mm-hmm. to put money towards something, that usually means that they trust that product to be good. Amen. That's why we have no podcast uh, sponsors yet do we <laughs> well yeah, there's some legal mumbo jumbo that we're worried about but uh we did have john zadeklik on from z systems uh just from recently Z-Fest on the podcast mm-hmm. i got it i got it in one try do you like that i, got I like that i'm impressed john's gonna be impressed too um you guys are sponsoring z fest this year that's right what made you want to get involved with with those guys over at z Systems? well i mean we are a small local independent brewery and the people that are partaking in z fest our small local independent filmmakers. It just seemed like a perfect fit for us. We get excited about the arts, creativity, using that part of the brain. And if we can help people continue doing that, uh, that's that's kind of part of our mission statement. So we also have local artists that we display in our tap room. I see this. And we allow them to sell their art here. It it really spices up the place, gets things exciting. But that's you know we, we take no part in trying to grab money from people selling their art here. This is sure. exciting. We want to be able to... Let people be artistic, and however we can help, that's how we want to do it. You seem like you have just enough space for a for a movie screen in here. I could yeah, see that happening. You could yeah. do some some film uh, premieres in here. I think that would be a cool and idea. And you need a psychic in here. I know a psychic <laughs> that we could. Uh, is is it your part time wife? Is yeah, that what you my yeah my yeah? I won't get into that. Um, so, what's the holy grail? What's the company that you look at and you say that's the business model, or that's kind of what we like to be, or are you just or charting is it your new own? waters here? Are you charting new waters? You know, I, I'm the type of guy to where I, I don't like to put one person or one company on a pedestal mm-hmm. because anyone can screw up. Mm-hmm. And what does that mean then at that point? So there, there are some, some breweries uh, that we think are doing a really good job. No one's doing exactly what we want to do. At that mm-hmm. point, we're only copying. Right. Uh, so we are kind of trailblazing a little bit. But there's breweries like Dogfish Head. They're, mm-hmm. They are going back into ancient ales and they're brewing things from thousands of years ago and that's exciting because it 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 feels new because no one knows about these things sure so they actually have an archaeologist that they work with to is there is their process completely different is it it is barrels and they actually have some extraordinarily large uh fermenters that are made out of wood wow and they've they've had uh i know they have a, a fermenter that's made out of i think it's the densest wood in the world they got from south america you can shoot a Shoot a gun at the tree, and it's just going to bounce the bullet back. Really? Oh, man. Is it true? I've heard this, and I just I love this story, so I tell it. Oh, boy. I don't know if it's true because I read it on the Internet. Buckle up. Um, Everything's true on the Internet. <laughs> is it true that beer saved humanity? Did you hear that? I have. Yeah. Um, he well, wrote, He wrote the article. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm 28 years old, not 10,000. So uh, the best I can say is, it's a very there's a very good chance that beer played a very important role in the buildup of of civilization. Mm-hmm. Uh, when people were hunter gatherers, no one really stayed in the same place. You would eat and scavenge whatever you could. Right. But when people wanted to slowly settle down, that's when people were able to actually grow more and stay in one place. And the thought is that people were growing grains for two reasons: bread and mm-hmm. beer. And beer probably was, oh, it's hard to say what was more important. you got to eat, but uh, beer was a clean source of liquids at that point. 
and it was uh, a safe way of getting water. So that was extraordinarily also, important. Well, and the problem was, and this is the the extra part to that. That's the exact story that I was thinking too. But the extra part is because they were usually, um, you know, building up around lake lakes and streams and rivers. So everybody was, you know, going to the bathroom in there and drinking from the same place. All of a sudden, they started getting sick and stuff. And I don't want to fermentation came along. Yeah, you can if you ferment anything above. Uh, first of all, the heat process, pasteurization. Um, that's going to kill off pretty much everything. But if you ferment something above 2.3% alcohol, uh, nothing mm. known uh, that can harm humans can grow in there. Fantastic. What? How much water do you guys go through? Like, in, 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 let's say a day. Sure. Uh, hmm, I haven't calculated down to a day. I'd say in a given month, we probably go through... Oh, i got to think for a second. It's 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 probably in the range of... A few tens of thousands of, bar- of of gallons, but you're not you're not losing a lot of that. I mean, you're you're retaining most of it. We right? are. So we we have uh, we try to recycle as much as we can. So we paid a little extra to get some uh, hot and cold water tanks, so that we can actually draw out the heat from our brewing process and put that back into water. It's pretty much a storage facility for energy, and that allows us to brew the next batch of beer with energy that we've already oh, expended. Wow. wow! And that way, we also are not putting water down the drain. That's perfectly good right uh we actually get to save that a bit that's that's fantastic what what advice would you give let's say tony and i go buy a mr a mr beer set at target you know i and i mentioned the mr beer set because it's i'm not experienced enough to know what the next step is or what the highest you know the, the next level up would be but i mean that seems to me like the basic starting point right or yeah, could you if, do it all on your stove if you were to get a mr beer could i'd probably tell you to throw it out and go the next level up and the next level up is next level up is going to be from a company like uh, Austin Homebrew Supply, Northern Brewer, Midwest Supplies. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going to be selling kits that um, you can start out by still doing it on your stove. Uh, you can do it easily, but you're getting high quality ingredients. Sure, and you get to learn the process that way. As far as that goes, though, what how much space are you taking up in your home? I mean, you're going to need some storage. You're going to need some space to to leave some barrels. Uh, I take it. Sure, right? I'd, I'd say if you're going to start out at home, you're typically going to make probably five gallon batches you can go smaller if you want but five gallons pretty consistent and you could do that let's just say in the space of a kitchenette okay you don't need more than that sure i did i started out brewing in my uh, college dorm room and uh use the communal kitchen to <laughs> and to how did start how the did the ra yeah, feel about that, that. Yeah. i mean because there's a certain smell that 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 gets expelled when you're when you're there is uh in fact the uh the uh, director of residence life had actually come to me and said you're not allowed to have alcohol in communal spaces and mm. well, i use the power of knowledge to let them know that i was not adding yeast until i got to my dorm room so no alcohol is being created uh, very Fantastic. logical like and that. then what did they just walk away with their tails that's all they them? could do that's all they could do <laughs> they were stuck in the word yeast <laughs> i you know i i feel like this is it's it's so it's so infantile in the stage where you guys are now, I mean, you've only been here for three months. That's right. I mean, it just seems like this. This is just like right on the tip of blowing. Yeah, up. it is. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I mean, like, it's... like this. This room is not going to be able to hold you guys. This building is not going to be able to hold you in. You know, let's say two or three years. We have no idea what what's going to come. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're three months old, and the three months that we've been open, I've been told, are the slowest months of the year. Um, it and it's it's still going really well for us, uh, which is kind of it's beyond what we expected which is really cool uh, but spring and summer are coming yeah we're going to be adding a patio we're going to probably hire more staff mm-hmm. um we don't know what's coming but we're gonna we're gonna try our best to prepare for it did you do go fund me those type of things or did you uh are you looking for more investors or how's that part going we we did look for investors uh, and we started out in the process of looking for some of the larger more traditional investors out there and they were interested but uh, we didn't find that they had the same knowledge or skill set that we were looking for that that, that we had. Uh, so they, there's a lot. First of all, there, whenever you're looking for money, there's always going to be skepticism. Mm-hmm. People think that it's not going to work. They're going to try to play the devil's advocate. Um, but we found a lot of the large investors didn't think breweries could still open, and and I'm more than confident that breweries are going to continue opening for the next at least five years. Well, Minnesota's years. got such open arms now. I mean, yeah. they've, they've really, the, what do they, they call it the Surly law? Is that, yep, is, they do. And that's, I mean, that's really going to 
change things around here, I feel like. It is, and it, it allows breweries to open up with a lot less risk, which means investors should want to join in. Uh, so we, we actually ended up saying no to a lot of these large investors because oh, they yeah. they wanted a lot more of the company than we were willing to give. Right. Mm-hmm. So we found enough friends and family to put in at much smaller increments, uh, and that allowed us to get to the point where we could get an SBA loan from the bank. And then we got even luckier because as a startup business, it's still hard to find money. Mm-hmm. Our building owner put in a, a pretty good amount for renovation oh, costs. Wow. That's nice. So three sources of money is what helped us get started. Without one of those, it just it would not have happened. And you retained control and everything. We did. So degree. we actually get to make decisions. And that's yeah. important because if there were someone who Gosh, if thought the market was falling, then... Yeah. Wouldn't it be nice if all business was run that way? You know, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> the people that are making the decisions are the people who are supposed to be making the decision. What What are some of the weirdest things you've tried? Some of the weirdest flavors, now that you look back on it in hindsight, that maybe didn't work? In beer? Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Not the meth. We won't go there. Right? Yeah. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> um, in beer, well, I have tried, gosh, I'm trying to think. I've tried bacon in beer. Well, I didn't oh, say wow. I didn't say bacon. I said weird. I, well, I, I didn't. I just and weird doesn't mean would, bad. Yeah, no, no, that's exactly. True. That's, yeah. that's a very good point. Yeah. That's a very good point. How did the bacon turn out? Uh, it actually was quite great. A little salty. I mean, people like some people like to put salt in their beer. Well, I've heard smell, of that too. Yeah, yeah. it's strange. I've I've seen it. And I, yeah. I've never understood. I put salt on everything. By the way, I, I know, I've I never put it in my beer. That. You quit doing that. Never put. Have it you ever tried it on pizza? Not like it needs it, but yeah, uh, I, I use Lowry season salt on oh, my pizza. Really? That's it's nice. really. It's surprising. Aristea got me caught on that. Uh, putting salt on top of the pizza it just brings out the flavor that much more. And it, not like you need it's it. It's really interesting too because it makes the attack. cheese just kind of. I don't know what it does. Yeah, yeah it is. It's a, you're the chef. So it's you good for your heart. No, that hey, that's that's fair enough. I. Did you have, have to try it? Did you have one recipe you tried that you were just like, I'm not, I'm never, I can't get that taste out of my head. That that just did not work. <laughs> well, you know, I've, I don't want to sound like that guy, but no, uh, I haven't had a beer that I've made that I thought I can never make work. Sure, I have had beers that I've tried out for the first time and said, wow, that didn't work. But then tried different ways and found it to actually modified. Work. It. Yeah, yeah. Now. Just to be clear, we're not the brewery that's going to try out all of these odd ingredients because we can. Right. Uh, we're going to try to make really good beer, and we are, we are going to try some exotic ingredients, but it's because we think they're going to make really good beer. Besides the yuzu, I mean, what other? I'm I'm looking at a, a, a short list of what you've got, but what? Explain a, a couple of the beers that you do have and, and their flavor uh, palettes. Sure. Well, let's start with, uh, I guess, some of the beers that are a little bit different. Uh, so the yuzu pale ale, we talked about that. That's got the Japanese citrus fruit. The Saison de Blanc, uh, a lot of people are making Saisons, but not a lot of people are doing it this way. Uh, we actually, and I had the idea in France, which was right after Belgium. I was walking through a vineyard, and I thought to myself, I wonder if I can blend Belgium and France together idea. into oh one God. drink. So I actually took the Saison, which was my favorite style from Belgium, and blended it with Sauvignon Blanc wine grapes from France. Interesting. One of my favorite wines. So getting those two together and getting just enough of the grapes added to add Is that this. a sweeter beer, I would you know, assume? It, it has a little bit of sweetness to it, but the grapes actually dry it out further than the beer would oh, normally go. That makes sense, yeah. So it is drier. Hmm. So it's actually uh, almost champagne-like once you add the, oh, nice. uh, the grapes to it. How, what, what's the texture of it? Is, it? is it light? Is it a light? It is light, yeah. It's actually when, when people usually ask, and people come up to the counter all the time, and they ask, what's your lightest beer? Uh, that's actually, at the moment, one of our higher alcohol beers. But right. it is the lightest, the lightest beer we have literally when you look literally at it, right okay <laughs> what uh, what else are we looking at here I well see. we've also got our lamb and flag that is our uh, we're jumping kind of towards traditional beers here that's sure. a very traditional english ale um and it's very well balanced between malt and hops you get this biscuity bready character and it finishes with a slight earthy tinge of hop hop bitterness but it's it's actually Ooh. a beer that is something pretty much everybody can drink it's not very offensive how do you come up with the names for these uh, Some of them are just slapped together. I get it. They are. Uh, Lamb and Flag. Th- so that was my favorite pub in England. A uh, little literary pub in Oxford uh, where I had a really good time a couple times. And uh, the, the beer style itself was actually derived from Fuller's. So the name came from this the, my favorite pub. Uh, Chiswick Porter, which is another, it's a London-style brown porter. Fuller's was brewing in the neighborhood of Chiswick. So and do people call that one Chiswick? Absolutely. Of course they do. <laughs> yeah, of course they do. We that was my fault. Like I, that. Shouldn't, you know, I shouldn't have spelled it that way. But. <laughs> what kind of price points are you at? Is it 
pretty competitive? Or? You know, we are we are we are not uh, pricing ourselves. I should say we're not trailblazing with price. Um, we are not trying to undercut, and we're also not mm. trying to say we're the most expensive beer. Uh, we're trying to sell our beer at a point to where people can norm, you know, easily buy it and they can easily sell it. I feel mm-hmm. like when people come into a into a place, especially like this, they know that they're probably going to be paying for style like, and yeah, flavor and to. and and. Sp- Sorry, my I feel kid. Like was, I need to turn my phone on. No, I know. Yeah, turn it on. Why not? <laughs> my kid was just. He needs a ride home from school, so it's five <laughs> degrees outside. I'll, yeah. I'll be giving him a ride home. Uh, but you know, I feel like they they understand. You know, when they come in here. You're not you're not going to break the bank. Obviously, you're going to pay for style. You're going to pay for flavor. That's right. In fact, we're we're probably on the cheaper end of most craft beers out there. We we charge five dollars a pint. Uh, there are a lot of places that do that, but it usually doesn't go down to four. It usually goes up to six or seven. Oh, wow. So we are on the mid to low range of prices because we want people to come in here. We want people to get the experience of mm-hmm. Insight Brewing, and we want them to taste the beer. Um, that's the most important thing for us as a business is for people to actually try out and taste the beer. You did say you have you have daily beers and then you have your seasonal beers. Are you guys going to do anything like some of the others that, that maybe you have like a once-a-year type thing where people can only get that style beer once a year? Uh, we are. Uh, so we have, again, the various casts that come out, those are once a week, and you'll probably never taste that again. Uh, but we've got some ideas for some beers that... At least this year. So we'll have seasonals. You can get that for a couple of months, but sure. only those that part out of the year. But we do have a, uh, a beer coming out. We're going to brew it at the end of year one, and we'll probably have it um, ready for sale at the end of year two or beginning of year three because we're actually going to age it in barrels for a year. Oh, nice. And it's a beer oh, wow. that is – I learned to brew this actually uh, from a few different places, but one of them was uh, BrewDog in Scotland. Uh, I got to interview James Watts there over oh, uh, cool. one of the owners. And he made the highest alcohol beer in the world, and it was fifty-six uh, percent alcohol. Wow. Oh, that sounds ever clearly like yeah. trouble. <laughs> so we're going to make a beer that's called Apophis, oh. and we're not trying to create the highest alcohol beer in the world. We're actually utilizing some of those techniques to make a very good tasting beer that's a mixture between like a barley wine and a cognac. Sure, and it's oh, going to wow. end up being thirty-one percent aged in American white oak barrels for a year. Dark beer. It's going to be It's very actually dark. about the color of cognac. Oh, is it really? So this ruby nice. mahogany. Right. Yeah. Um, and that'll come out a totally still beverage, no carbonation. We're going to create our own bottles for it. And uh, it's it sucks to brew, but it it's really an amazing flavor. A lot of patience involved with brewing beer. Oh, yes. This one in particular. Yeah. Usually it's three weeks. This one you know, might be ready in a year. Do you guys offer a growler program? We have growlers for sale, and uh, we actually are starting this coming Monday with seven dollar growler Mondays. Oh wow! So and you can get your growler filled for seven bucks. For seven bucks, and you got to pay the deposit fee of five right. bucks, but you get it filled. So for the seven growler bucks. itself is five bucks, and then oh, that's not bad. The growler itself is five bucks for the glass, and then the refill is going to be seven dollars. It sounds like a great deal. And again, remember, we are in this because we want people to taste our beer. Sure. The best thing we can do is to get mm-hmm. beer in people's hands. I know you're Minnesota-based company here, but are you Minnesota-centric as far as are you going to come out with like a Minnesota nice beer or kind of go along those marketing ploys? You know, or it, something with flavors that uh, that are yeah, yeah known to Minnesota. Did yeah, the quick here? the quick answer is yes, and it's also not always. Uh, we are going to have some authentic Minnesota beers. For example, we're brewing a beer called Old Bamberg uh, this coming fall. And Bamberg, Germany is the last place on earth to continue the process of smoking their grains during the malting process. So you get this nice smoky character in the beer. Very cool. And we get some of our malt from Bamberg, Germany. Mm-hmm. However, we're also going to get some nice Minnesota pumpkins. Mm-hmm. Oh, And we're going to roast those so that they idea. can get into the beer to make something that tastes almost like an apple pie. That's a fantastic or, uh, pumpkin pie. Pumpkin pie, yeah, yeah. right. Fantastic. Wow. Well, I, I feel like, um, why don't you promote a little bit about um, yeah, what do you got coming up? About, and what you've got coming up, but like your hours and where when people can come yeah. and 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 hang out. Sure. So we were actually, and I, I could be wrong about this, but I, I think we were actually the first brewery in the state to be open up seven days a week oh. uh, for our tap room. So you can come in any day uh, throughout the weekday. It's going to be three o'clock and weekends. That's going to be uh, noon, and we're open till eleven or midnight on weekends. So you can come in any time and you can try out the beer. You can see what we're doing. Uh, we do run promotions throughout the week 
We've got Tuesday trivia. We've got Thursday bands coming in. Monday oh, growlers. Yep. I only Saturday see two casks. TVs in here. Are those two monitors up there? Two those TVs? are two TVs, and they can be monitors. They can be. Want. Yeah. Because I was noticing they're not peppered all around all around the walls. Nope. We're not a sports bar. No, uh, not at all. We are here because we want people to actually talk oh, to each other. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, how do you do the um, how do you do the Tuesday trivia? If- uh, Tuesday trivia TVs are off. And we've got a trivia guy on a microphone like I am right now. Fantastic. Uh, over the speaker system. And uh, it, it's a pretty fun night. I've heard, what did it say on the poster? It says, use your noodle, not your Google. That's right. That's I fantastic. Like that. That's great, yeah. So That's we've fantastic. got beer promotions running every Tuesday with that. And we also give uh, free bar taps to the winners. Oh, wow. We need to come back. Yeah, big time. Tuesday night yeah, like and that. just like dominate. Yeah, it, it, or it's more fun if you win. I'll wear an earpiece, and then you Google from the car in the in the parking lot. <laughs> yeah. Stream it live. We can, uh, yeah. So you're located right off of uh, Hennepin Avenue, East Hennepin Avenue, right off, uh, what is that, industrial? or which? It is industrial, but people probably know 280 better. Yeah. yeah. So essentially we tell people Hennepin and 280. Perfect. Is there anything else you'd like to add that we missed? Well, uh, I'd say the best place to learn more information is going to be either our website, which is insightbrewing.com. Otherwise, we've got our Facebook and Twitter, at uh, Insight Brewing. Uh, those are places where we constantly put up uh, stuff that we're doing, pictures, promotions. Um, if you want to learn more about us, follow us. Can people buy your swag? Can they can they buy T-shirts and, and, and fleeces and hoodies and hats and everything like that? They can. Right now, um, we are in the process of putting together an actual mo- a more advanced swag program. Uh, we do have T-shirts for sale right now, but uh, we're going to be moving into a lot more stuff coming in the spring. Yeah, I feel like you guys, once, this, once we get past this cold snap, which is winter, uh, things are really going to going to start moving for you yeah absolutely we're again we don't know what's going to happen but we're going to uh you know i guess we've watched other breweries and see what happens to them in the spring so it's pretty exciting did you have a soft opening so far did you actually do a grand opening we did we did both so we had our soft opening a week before the grand uh just to make sure the beer is going to pour beer is going to taste right Mm -hmm. uh pos system's going to work staffs knows how to pour beer um and then you know we actually found out that everything worked really well uh, we had very little to do between the soft opening and the grand opening. And the grand opening, wow. that was, I'm so happy we had the soft before that because the grand opening, we had 1,300 people come. Oh, Holy cow. And we had to open up the brewing <laughs> bay just to allow excess capacity because it was so full. Wow. So you had standing room only, basically. Standing room only. That's fantastic. Well, thank you, man. Yeah, thank you for coming awesome. on the show. I really appreciate no, it. Thanks for having me. Thanks for thinking. We us. learned a lot about beer making today. Yeah. I sh- I learned a lot more about the process, that's for sure. And where can people buy the Skinner beer? Oh, are you oh, going to yeah, come I, out with that? No, believe me, no, it's no, no. it's in a five it's going to be in a five gallon bucket in my <laughs> no, kitchen. I'll, I'll come here instead. Insight Brewing <laughs> yeah, is a lot better. Here. It's uh, please come here. Save me a lot of time. Thanks again. Oh, thanks again. Thanks for having me. This is a presentation of the Stude Media Network. So beefy. Oh.